Welcome to Notice History, the podcast where we uncover the history all around us. I'm Robin Mullins, and today we have a special edition of our podcast. We're visiting the Canadian War Museum. So here with me today is special guest, Dr. Andrew Birch. Dr. Birch is the Canadian War Museum's post-1945 historian. He is the curator of Gallery 4 of Island Peace and is responsible for all questions relating to conflicts from the beginning of the Cold War to the present day. He has also worked on exhibitions on topics such as the Afghanistan War, the Cyprus peacekeeping mission, the Korean War, and military medicine, among others. In 2012, his book, Give Me Shelter, The Failure of Canada's Cold War Civil Defense, received the C.P. Stacey Award for Military History. Dr. Birch also serves as adjunct research professor at Carleton University. Welcome, Dr. Birch, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So I guess just to start us off, maybe you can tell us a bit about your work here. I know that we've gone over kind of the broad strokes of what your position is here, but maybe mm-hmm. you can tell us a bit more of the day-to-day. Right. So uh, I'm one of the historical staff here at the Canadian War Museum. Uh, we have historical staff who are work on subjects related to specific time periods or on specific subjects. So uh, my area of specialization is the uh, post-1945 period. It was a subject of my uh, PhD dissertation, which was on Cold War civil defense. Uh, but since coming to the museum, I've looked at all sorts of different things, as your summary at the uh, top uh, indicated. So uh, my job here is really to be responsible for the historical content of exhibitions which means carrying out uh, research either into artifacts or stories or uh, subjects that would find their way into an exhibition or uh, to conduct uh, research that would lead to a useful public program or towards a publication, for example. So the job that I do here at the museum is not all that different in some respects from what a uh, university teacher may do. Just my audience is, uh, I suppose, a little bit different. I tend to be museum visitors, so uh, we have to look at uh, stories that uh, would appeal to uh, uh, the museum visitor, but also reveal something about Canadian military history. So that's essentially my job is, is looking into the past to try to find stories that uh, will help to communicate information about Canada's military history to a broad public audience and working with a team of people uh, to help bring those ideas into three dimensions. So it's a pretty tall order. Uh, it can be. It's, it's a great job in many respects because you are learning something every day. You are a jack of all trades and master of maybe a few, uh, but uh, you're also working with a team of professionals who know about trends in education and visitor uh, surveys and what people are expecting, how long they can spend on any given subject. And so it's really taking history from kind of 2000 word essay or what have you into small captions that help to deliver a kernel of something that may stay with people and help them to come back and encourage them to explore on their own about uh, their military past or maybe their family history or just something that will resonate with them past their museum visit. And so my my job here is about trying to find those stories and uh, or elaborating them in ways that uh, will capture public interest and uh, find their way into exhibition and answer questions that they may not know they had. It seems like it would be quite a challenge to try to distill something that could be, you know, a whole article or, dare I say, a book and bring <laughs> that into something that's small that people can kind of digest in like a bite-sized chunk that you know they're they're seeing so many things when they're here mm-hmm. it's difficult to not overwhelm people with all the information but also have things that will stand out and really carry with them once they leave right there was a um on twitter i think last week there was a 
meme going around. The museum meme was the theme of the day. And someone had circulated the, uh, you know, when, when a curator tries to do a meme and it had a picture which was just totally covered with tiny white text. <laughs> so the instinct to overload with information is uh, perhaps a natural one. You want to make sure you're getting the story right and getting as much of the story across, but it is definitely a uh, hard-fought skill to be able to boil it down into you know 50 to 100 words. So the question is, what are you trying to say with a specific object, and how can you do that with the display of the object, with um, the text that accompanies it, with audiovisual or other components that can accompany it to help to explain why that is there as an object and also why it matters in the broader stroke of things, whether it's a thematic exhibition about armor, such as we have right now, or uh, looking to encapsulate a certain period of Canadian military history or certain deployment. You know, the temptation is there, and as a historian, it's great to want to write a book about every single thing that's on display, (laughs) but you really do have to limit yourself. uh, And we have colleagues that uh, help to... uh, crack that whip, so to speak, to make sure that we have the visitor in mind. There's only so much they can absorb and only so much that they can take in over the course of a visit. So it's really about getting the essentials down and doing so in a way that's creative and interesting to read. And so that's part of of what my job is. Maybe you can tell us a bit about what typically goes into the aspects of creating an exhibition. So an exhibition can come from any number of sources. So we sometimes bring in exhibitions from uh, from other partners, or we generate exhibitions on our own, uh, so uh, from the museum staff and using museum resources. So uh, a lot of the work that goes into an exhibition is done at the front end uh, to think about what you want to say. What is the message you want to convey? What is the history that you want to capture in order to provide a scope that's achievable for an exhibition. So, you know, it's not enough to say, I want to do an exhibition on the Cold War. Well, that's a massive subject. Mm -hmm. So maybe, speaking theoretically, you might want to do something on, uh, you know, children in the Cold War, for example. So you might start to do targeted search of the collections to see, well, what do we have that might speak to that subject matter? And what do we have that would really form a bedrock for it? Do we have enough here in the building or would we have to seek out material for loans? But the key thing is that idea. So a lot of the research efforts at the front end are about preparing the idea of what the exhibition will be, then subsequently populating that idea and building a broader storyline to flesh out what the, what the exhibition is going to be. So an example from recent experience would be the update to our uh, Gallery 4, the uh, Cold War and Present Operations Gallery, that was more or less incomplete. It had a very large audiovisual uh, component at the back end of the gallery for the opening of the exhibitions in 2005, but since 2005 a lot has happened. So we knew that we wanted to update the galleries to bring them into line with more recent history to encompass the war in Afghanistan, as well as other important operations uh, to which Canadians had contributed from the end of the Cold War to roughly present day, which in itself is a tall order. You have to make selections of, okay, well, which of the operations, and there are, you know, many, many operations under UN auspices or under North Atlantic Treaty Organization operations, to which uh, you might want to communicate some sort of information or present some sort of information. So the hard work that went into there is to say, okay, well, what are we trying to say? So in that case, we eventually settled on a a title, which was New World Disorder, so that there was hope for what the end of the Cold War would bring and the type of operations that were expected. But then reality sets in as different sorts of conflicts emerge. So it's less traditional state violence and more interstate conflict, civil wars, what have you. And then how is that how does Canada respond to that? 
and how does that change how Canada relates to the world and uh, how they how we deploy our forces. So that's where the selection of the missions and artifacts comes into play. Uh, there are the key signature missions during this period, and so we just go from that initial idea and we start to select which missions we wish to emphasize and then from there what artifacts and what stories in those missions can we then bring to the fore uh, to help people understand what it was like at the time often within a fairly small and restricted square footage so you have to say well how much is this conflict going to have versus uh, say the former Yugoslavia missions versus Afghanistan or uh, other missions uh, prior to those and which means making some hard decisions at the front end to say how much space you're going to be able to dedicate to each section. And then you verify that by actually seeing whether the artifacts you want to include can actually fit within the prescribed space. Right. So that, that's something that really comes into consideration when you go into the design phase, when you bring on a designer and they start to translate your ideas into three dimensions, look at the wall space you have available, the floor space you have available, is it accessible, can a wheelchair get through, all these things that that, uh, go into consideration, which as a historian, I couldn't tell you the first thing about, uh, (laughs) but through working with design, you at least start to know what's possible within a selected envelope. But the key objective for me as a historian is to make sure that we're on message, that we are conveying the history that uh, we want to convey uh, and perhaps preserving a bit of space to allow for um, uh, future additions and changes. As it is a long-term display, you may find the material out there uh, that you may wish to include, so you don't want to box yourself in too much. Especially with having to be um, so selective in mm-hmm. which missions that you're going to cover, yeah. I'd imagine that's a really difficult decision to have to come to. But it would be nice to be able to have that flexibility that over time you can maybe mm-hmm. swap some of those out and give you know an equal share or, or a a wider variety of the different aspects of those histories. So yeah. or, it's nice to be able to have that representation. Or to at least be conscious of it so that you can make uh, selections in what programs you might offer. So if they're not available in the long-term displays, then maybe it might be a subject for a temporary display or for an online program or or some combination of the three. So yeah, but it's, it's, it's challenging. And people obviously have, um, if they've served in the armed forces, they want to see their history represented. And so it can be challenging for people who have served in places and may have had very difficult experiences to come through. And if their experience is not represented, they may wish to get in touch with us and you know, ask us questions about it or offer, offer their views or offer uh, materials that would help us to do it better. Which, Which would be really great if they're willing to, to offer some of those items yeah. because that would be the most ideal way, I would mm-hmm. think, to be able to be included. Absolutely. I yeah. could see it being really difficult if a big part of someone's experience and their identity is, is being part of the armed forces and they expect to see themselves represented here in some way and then they come and just, you know, it's there are limitations to everything. But mm. I could see that being really difficult for some people. But the goal we had when we did this update was that even if you did not have the specific experience that is portrayed, it provided a platform for people to perhaps, if they're taking their families through, say, well, you know, I was in the former Yugoslavia, and I maybe wasn't in this particular operation, but this is the kind of challenges that we are encountering. To mm. provide them with a, uh, an opening to build off the display to convey their own history to their own family, which they may not do, uh, because you often hear in stories about oral history or family relations that, you know, Second World War, Korea, and others, oh, they never talked about their service. Well, there may not have been that shared a platform or, or a medium through which they could have some sort of shared experience. It was mm. viewed to be external to the family, but if you bring your family through and you have service in that area, then it might provide you with an opportunity to say, okay, well, I was here and I did this, maybe not this, but you know, give people an idea of what they went through in a way that uh, is distinct from just sitting around the, 
you know, the living room, so to speak. Right. I think so. that's so important to be able to build that into something that you guys are, are working towards is having people not only come here to see and learn about, you know, history in general, but being able to participate in that history and then share it and mm-hmm. communicate it to their loved ones or to other people as well. And just be able to embolden themselves to be able to do that is really meaningful. Well, I, I certainly uh, I certainly hope people do take the opportunity <laughs> to use it. Uh, we do have an interesting component in the gallery where we've added a question that we've um, uh, we've we've posed questions to the public as they leave this, the new section, where we ask, you know, how has um, military history shaped their lives, uh, the lives of their loved ones, family members, in addition to asking what they think Canada should do in the world, because the world is changing and you know security challenges are always shifting. And uh, there's been some very interesting responses left from uh, people who had direct service in the armed forces, whose family members, who've lost family members in the armed forces, uh, or whose lives have been shaped by conflict generally by having to flee their country and come here to Canada. And being able to see that kind of written out in pencil and posted on the wall for other people to share generates discussion about history because, as we know, history is not just a static thing in the past, but one that... uh, we deepen our appreciation and understanding of it over time. And uh, the more we learn, the more we uncover about past events, the better we are perhaps avoiding repeating them in the future. Uh, So you talked earlier about having an idea and then moving from the idea towards then selecting artifacts and trying to find what you could use and what's available on loan or within the collection to be able to use for it. Have you ever had it go the other way where there's an artifact that really captures you and you want to be able to use that or you, you try to find ways that you can bring it into something? Because I know there's there's just so much in the collection that yeah. I would think that spending any time in it, you'd find items that you just would really want to have on display. Well, isn't as a working here, you will encounter, uh, as I have, I've encountered a number of pieces that are held in the collection, and I have the privilege of working with collection specialists whose principal area of concern is looking after and and cataloging and and making more available the collection to researchers in house and out of house. Uh, so. I'm often tipped off to interesting <laughs> stories that uh, come from my colleagues. So yes, that you'll often see it come the other way. So it's like a chicken and egg scenario in certain exactly, respects. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I know that I have this collection of artworks from, uh, for example, an artist like Ted Zuber, who did uh, work in the Gulf War, uh, I'm going to want to include those in the component about the Gulf War because that's something that the museum has. It's well documented. We know the story behind it. And so we would want to put those together. In other cases, it can be more artifact-based, so we made it, took advantage of uh, our collection of medical material when we brought in the uh, exhibition War and Medicine back in 2011. It was an external exhibition developed by the uh, Welcome Collection, Welcome Trust, and the uh, Deutsches Hygiene Museum in Germany. And so we looked at what they had as part of their European collections and said, well, what could we substitute in from a Canadian perspective? And there's quite a bit that we could draw from our own collection. So it was really a themed exhibition, so a little bit more room for themed display. So mm. uh, we were able to delve into the collection a little further. It was a more of an artifact-based show. So you can have shows that really pull from the artifacts and the collections first and then you kind of organize them in a way that uh, makes sense and help to order them and categorize them in a way that makes sense from a messaging perspective. Yeah. Uh, but a particular theme, military, medical science, for example, or military artwork. So, the, the, yes, it can go the other way. It's kind of neat to see that it can be both ways and just the results that would come from doing it in either of those uh, different methods would be, mm-hmm. I think, interesting to kind of compare and contrast and just see... What the end result looks like. <laughs> yeah, it usually comes from, but it usually comes from the idea. So, mm. 
you can, of course, do exhibitions to say uh, how things have changed over time. Uh, so, you know, sub-displays within larger exhibitions, we might want to do, just again using the example of the military medical structure, uh, we tend to think of, you know, First World War medicine and contemporary medicine. A lot has changed, and yet the shell dressings that are issued to soldiers as first aid material that, that they would use on themselves and then on their co- uh, comrades, not all that different in some respects from... 1914 through to present day. It's still basically the same technology, uh, just in different packaging. Uh, So you can kind of explore those themes uh, using the collections. And that's really what distinguishes museums from, say, you know, online galleries or whatever, is that encounter with the physical. Mm -hmm. Uh, Be it a a three-dimensional object or a painting or a print, the thing that makes museums special is that proximity to the real thing so yeah, to speak. Yeah. And so that's the advantage that museums have, uh, but also it's a challenge because you want to make sure that you don't use up the artifact when you're displaying it because they want to make sure the light levels are right. And that's why we have all the collection specialists and conservation experts who are able to say, you know, that's a great artifact, but you can't have it on display for five years. <laughs> You've you got to be selective. Right. So uh, you can have those inspirations from artifacts that come into display, but you have to take into account other Considerations and those are normally what the public runs into. You, that's something that is decided around tables like the the one we're at right now. So, um, are there any memorable items? I know we've talked about how right. you've you've been able to use different artifacts that have been mm-hmm. really interesting. But are there any that really jump out at you that when you think back, like, do you have any favorites? Oh yeah, uh, there's a lot of really great artifacts on display here, and I'm going to speak about my gallery because I'm biased. Of course. Well, I would expect nothing less. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I recommend people go see all the galleries, of course. Uh, but in the uh, in the Cold War to present day uh, gallery, there's quite a few pieces that I find uh, really interesting that represent people's encounter uh, with extraordinary times. So there's two vehicles we included in our update uh, last year. One's from the former Yugoslavia and one's from Canadian service in Afghanistan, and both have seen better days. So the first one is a uh, is an Iltis Jeep uh, that was fired on by a Yugoslav militia when two soldiers drove it through, uh, uh, through a checkpoint, essentially. And the vehicle was struck more than 50 times by small arms. Both men were uh, fairly seriously injured but survived. Mm-hmm. And uh, the vehicle's in UN, painted UN white. So it is uh, recognizably a UN vehicle, and nonetheless it was targeted. Oh. And uh, it's interesting because of the stories of the people who were in the vehicle, both of whom survived and uh, both of whom uh, are, are very happily still with us. Uh, as a matter of fact, both uh, men uh, went on to uh, compete in the Invictus Games. One's competing in the Invictus Games for uh, injured soldiers uh, this upcoming October. Anyway, so there's uh, interesting personal stories in there, but also it's an interesting symbol, uh, symbol of the challenge that Canadian Armed Forces members faced in the former Yugoslavia, where they were there in a UN peacekeeping role, but there was no peace to keep. And that's very visible from the artifact. It's gone through a lot, uh, basically driven back to camp on its rims, uh, people narrowly avoiding death through being fired on, and uh, the windshield shattered out by uh, by bullets. So peacekeeping is not necessarily always peaceful, and that certainly comes across in that artifact. And the second one is another vehicle from the um, Afghanistan mission from December of 2005. And this was an example of really proactive collecting on our uh, collection staff part, brought back from Afghanistan, largely in its last condition. Uh, the whole front of the vehicle, uh, it's a Mercedes, uh, Mercedes G-Wagon, the whole front of the vehicle is blown off by an improvised explosive device. 
And again, everyone in that incident survived. Wow. They suffered injuries. But owing to the nature of the uh, conflict, which was most Canadians who were killed in Afghanistan were killed by hidden bombs or improvised explosive devices. Uh, so we're able to display the artifact there. We have examples of recovered IEDs next to it. Uh, so you see the type of hidden weapons that were used to target Canadian Armed Forces members. And then because it's the modern day uh, period, when the people were being pulled from that vehicle, uh, one of them had a camera in his pocket and was taking pictures. So you have pictures of the vehicle kind of in situ wow. and uh, of himself being evacuated for medical uh, attention. So it's kind of, it's a different era, so it's different technology, so you tell the story a little differently, whereas there weren't any photographs at the other incident, so we have artwork and other materials to, uh, to help bring that out. Right. But those are just two incidences which characterize the nature of the conflict within a single visual essay. Just by being able to look at it, you say, oh, wow, people who were in this vehicle had a, had a rough time of it. And uh, I have many, many other examples I could point to, but those are two that really, for me, strike the difference between uh, the particular challenges that were on those two individual missions and mm -hmm. that a lot of people walk through and uh, can look at that and can have a visual memory or uh, will will have had some experience with that sort of uh, threat. And uh, you often hear about it when you give tours. But right. those are just the two largest pieces in the, uh, in the new uh, the, or the updated displays and certainly for me the most powerful. Right, well, I mean, even just from the description of it, it's very compelling. So I can see why those would be really memorable and really emblematic of a lot of what you're trying to accomplish with those, with yeah. that updated display, for sure. Yeah. I think it's interesting, too, what you're when you were mentioning the dressings and how they haven't really changed in you know decades upon decades, 100 years, essentially, how interesting that would be for different people who do have some kind of experience having used them or having mm -hmm. them issued to themselves, going through the museum and being able to see that it looks so similar, you know, yeah. whether it's from 50 years ago or from, you know, two decades ago or from last year, yeah. all of these people are having a really interesting experience of seeing something, recognizing it, and seeing that maybe history isn't that far removed from themselves. It's not always a positive experience. I have given right. some to uh, tours to people who, who uh, if you serve in the armed forces for a certain amount of time, uh, for example, we have uh, some of the uh, vehicles that they would have used when they started their service and have since been phased out or in some cases are still in service. And so they say, oh, look, you know, I've been I've been at work so long that my stuff is in a museum. Uh, so, it, yeah, but yes, it is. Uh, uh, they have the practical side of it. it offers a kind of added value when you are going through with someone who's uh, used the material. They'll be able to tell you stuff about it that may not be in the artifact record. It's helpful in, the, in our museum that you do have a body of uh, population has a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience, and they're often willing to share that experience to help uh, improve on or add detail to what's already on display. So, right. yeah, it's quite neat. Yeah, I would imagine that that's quite unique to the Canadian War Museum in that a lot of the clients or a lot of the patrons who come through the doors um, can kind of measure their own life against what they're seeing and be able to measure their life events. But yeah. that would be, you know, both an advantage and a disadvantage at times, depending on what kind of memories they have and what their experiences are and yeah. how closely they want to remember them and if things are just kind of bringing right. memories back up to the fore. Um, so that's, I mean, there are many things I think that sets the Canadian War Museum apart from other national mm -hmm. museums, but are there any other ways that it's particularly unique in, in your mind? I mean, I think the, the thing that makes it unique is, uh, one of the things I think I should say that makes it unique is that it was really structured around a big idea. And uh, this big idea was set back when the initial plans for redeveloping the museum were set out, which is that 
war-shaped Canada. Mm-hmm. And that may not be something that people normally think about, or they may think about it in the big and obvious ways, you know, in terms of the world wars. But the fact is that geography and where people have settled and how they've settled and what uh, sort of arrangements and the legal and political structures of the country, that's not to say they're absolutely determined or solely determined by war, but that war and conflict has had a role in shaping the Canada that, that we now live in. And conflict is something that we deal with today in different respects. So the, the displays were really built around an idea that war shapes Canada, which mm. in and of itself seems kind of anodyne as a thing to say, but nonetheless does have really very important implications for politics, again, geography, uh, society. And it's not always a pretty story because, of course, a lot of stuff happened during wars, you know, in terms of civil liberties and mm-hmm. uh, that we have to present on and discuss. But it is something that I think sets it apart in terms of its overall vision. So if you walk through the gallery uh, and give yourself enough time to take in everything, because there's quite a bit to see, you will leave with a better appreciation of how those conflicts have shaped Canada. And so it's complemented by other museum experiences, but right. really it is a, it's a unique in that as a national military history museum, it's not about promoting or necessarily looking at regimental or institutional history. Let's say it's not just about the institution or history of the armed forces as, as a whole, but rather about how war and Canada's wars have shaped Canada. And so it's, it's, a, it's a, an exploration of history written more broadly. Mm. And so I think that's what makes it a little bit more unique as opposed to perhaps some of the other exhibitions you may find across the country, is that kind of solitary focus on that one issue. It allows us to look into it quite deeply, uh, whereas other museums may have more broad, uh, broad mandates. Right. But uh, uh, it complements certainly very nicely with the uh, Canadian Museum of History across the river, which has uh, more broad, wide-ranging historical displays looking at different subjects. So if you were to go to both over the course of two days, you get a much bigger picture of the history of Canada. But in terms of just that looking at that one aspect of how war has shaped Canada, how military history and conflict have shaped the institutions, norms, uh, society, uh, geography, and uh, those are all important takeaways from our museum that you can't necessarily get from any others just on a sole a single visit. Right. And it is notable that it's not called Canada's Military Museum. It's the War Museum. Right. So, yeah, it, it really is singularly in that focus, yeah. bringing you to, you know exactly what you're going to get when you come here. And it, mm-hmm. it is interesting to be able to put that focus on conflict and how conflict has shaped Canada yeah. instead of just, you know, these are the different types of military that we have and the different forces that we have. Yeah. And, I think the other thing that makes sets us apart a little bit, although it's perhaps more common now than it was at the time, is that the focus is very much on personal stories. Mm. So it's perhaps one thing to showcase a, a conflict and talk about a, a, a battle, for example. But it's another, another thing to realize that these were real people who were fighting these battles, who have their own stories and their own backgrounds. And so bringing those to the fore wherever we could perhaps makes the military history relatable in a way that, you know, precise talk about numbers and, you know, kilometers covered and number of guns involved, although that information is also there, it allows people to relate with and identify with or or have some sort of common ground with the history that they're looking at in a way that perhaps might not be as accessible elsewhere. And that approach is, I think, a little more common now than was the case back in 2005 when we opened. Right. But nonetheless, is something that uh, we feel to be a strong suit. And certainly, when, if you go through the Canadian War Museum's gallery, the uh, contemporary gallery, you see how we try to put people first and stories first because these are about ordinary people in extraordinary times responding to extraordinary events. And so 
by foregrounding that, it provides a way of access, accessing uh, history that is perhaps not as easy to do in, say, a text or um, uh, in other formats. Right, and it's yeah. certainly more compelling. I mean, human interest is human interest for a reason. Right? Mm-hmm. It's easier to really be swept up and consumed by interest in something when it is telling a story that we've experienced or someone in particular has experienced. It, it's a lot more relatable than just you know something kind of this happened a long, long time ago and mm-hmm. you don't really have any interest in or way to be able to relate to the experience that you're reading about. Yeah, I feel it also invites discussion, comparison, mm. and uh, you know, elaboration. So it, it offers uh, teaching and a learning experience all at the same time. So for those who are considering a visit to the museum, mm-hmm. uh, what would be your recommended tips for their visit? Ah, good question. Uh, <laughs> so I would recommend that to uh, take advantage of the Canadian War Museum's website uh, to, give it, to plan your visit ahead of time because there's a lot of ground to cover. There's about a kilometer and a half of walking space. There's about 5,000-plus artifacts. There's 100,000 words of text. There's all sorts of time you could spend in the uh, the gallery. So you want to be able to plan your time ahead of time to say, okay, well, I have uh, you know an hour or two hours. What can I see at the museum? You can see some of that at the Canadian War Museum's website. Uh, and if you uh, haven't done that, then you can certainly ask what's on at the front desk. But uh, what I like to do when I take people through is I like to focus on a single gallery at a time. We have six main galleries. So we have the experience galleries, which follow a chronological order Mm. uh, from earliest times, uh, kind of in pre-written history, looking at the history of indigenous peoples before uh, the arrival of Europeans and how conflict uh, helped shape things and uh, how how conflict helped to shape uh, the territory that would become Canada over Mm -hmm. time. So there's a gallery dedicated to that uh, through to the um, arrival of European empires and the battle for uh, uh, territory. So that's a very uh, distinct area. There's another area on the uh, wars of empire and leading up to the First World War and then fighting through the First World War. And then there is a third gallery which looks at the uh, lead up to the Second World War and the prosecution of the Second World War. And then the fourth gallery which looks at military operations to the present day. And then there is, of course... A central hub uh, about looking at how people remember. So it is uh, the Canadian Royal Canadian Legion Hall of Honor, and that is where it's not just looking at uh, the subject of remembrance, but the activities and crafts and artwork and uh, community organizations have undertaken to remember uh, loss or recognize service. And then, of course, there's the military technology gallery downstairs. So each one of these could take a fair number, a fair amount of time. Right. And that's not even taking into account the uh, many wonderful offerings we would put across in our Lieutenant Colonel John McRae temporary gallery. <laughs> uh, so uh, right now we have our armor exhibition uh, that's uh, running uh, through to uh, uh, closing very soon. And we'll soon be opening a temporary exhibition on the last 100 days of the First World War. Just plan ahead. Take some time. Plan a full day. Uh, plan, plan a whole week. Well, and if, you, and if you can't make it for a full day, and uh, it's a shame if you can't, but if you can't make a full day, then uh, try to get a sense of what highlights you want to hit. And uh, take your time when you're going through, because uh, if you're running through the museum, you may overlook some very inter- really interesting stories and artifacts. So when you are here, try to take the time to uh, take in what interests you. Don't necessarily feel pressured to see everything, but take your time and check out that stuff that uh, draws your eye and interests you, and come back. (laughs) We encourage people to come back. We always want to see people come back uh, because there's lots to see. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. 
So do do one exhibit well and then come back and then do sure. the others. But I mean, above all, be comfortable and uh, and uh, we hope everyone has a comfortable and and uh, good experience. So uh, do what's best for you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I recommend uh, you know do a gallery at a time. That's probably the best way to go through it, in my, in my view. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for for joining us today and for taking us on a really interesting and informative journey. There's just so many compelling aspects of the Canadian War Museum, and it's really helpful to hear a bit more about the work that goes on behind the scenes and and all that goes into the galleries and the exhibitions and just how representative it is at trying to show the, the broader experience of the average Canadian or the average Canadian who's experienced or been touched by war. Thank you so much. It's been really wonderful. Oh, thank you for having me. Notice History is a No History podcast. We are produced by Emily Cuggy and myself, Robin Mullins. This week, we were joined by Dr. Andrew Birch. For more information about the topics we've covered today, check out our blog at nohistory.ca slash podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can always email us at podcast at nohistory.ca or reach out on social media at Notice History. If you like what you hear, tell your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.